in the early church, they, when they would greet one another, now they would greet each other with a holy kiss. We're not going to do that, okay? So, um, but they would say, when they would greet, one would say, He is risen, and the other would say, He is risen indeed. So we're going to try it this morning. I'm going to say the He is risen part, and you're going to say that He is risen indeed. Do we need to practice? Okay, we're good. He is risen. Amen. He is risen indeed. Amen. And so this morning, it's Easter Sunday, or I like to say Resurrection Sunday. And by the way, I want you to know, in case you missed it last week, I got me a new preaching Bible, large print. Now, what happened was, when we were here last, uh, I took my Bible home because my, I put all my sermon notes, I write the date on all that and put them in a pile, and my Bible went missing. Now, my preaching Bible is not my study Bible, okay, just so you know. Um, this, this has no marks in it. It's just the preaching Bible. It's large print. It's easy to read. There's no marks in it, so I don't get lost, you know, because you know, I have a like, squirrel, right? That's me, so I don't get lost, and I still haven't found it. It's somewhere in my house. So either one of my, one of my grandkids decided that they wanted Papa's uh, preaching Bible or not, but I got me a new one, so just... You know, this is the first Sunday I'm preaching with my new Bible, so you may feel honored with that. Of course, it's not going to stay open. That's the problem. <laughs> so I'll be fighting with it all service. All right. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 24. Now, I want to talk this morning. If you're taking notes, <clears throat> I encourage you to do that. Not because it's such a great sermon, but because it's God's Word. But if you put at the title there, the top we'll call The Magnitude of Christ's Resurrection. The magnitude of Christ's resurrection. And you can find the, the passages in the Gospels uh, that pertain to the resurrection. Matthew 28, 1 to 15. John 21 to 29. Mark 16, 1 to 8. And then here Luke chapter 24. And we're going to read that this morning. We're going to look at that uh, as we talk about the magnitude of Christ's resurrection. Ready? Luke 24. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the first day of the week would be what day? Sunday. Sunday. So you, you, all, you all know that the Sabbath is not Sunday, right? And, and because people will say, well, see, on Sabbath, and they're talking about Sunday. No, that Sabbath is Saturday, and the Lord's Day is, and that's why we meet on the Lord's Day. Okay, just so you, I knew you knew that. Okay, just people that are watching may not know that. So now we know. On the first day of the week, on Sunday... Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, uh, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Ready? Why do you look for the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. Notice there's an exclamation point. He is risen. It says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his word. So this morning, we're, we're going to talk about the resurrection because it's Resurrection Sunday. But the truth of the matter is, Every day in the life of the believer is Resurrection Day. Every day. The, the, the importance of the resurrection. Jesus Christ 
came as a baby. And that was vital. It was very important that he came, that fulfilled prophecy. But it, Jesus, and he lived a sinless life. And that's how we, we, we're the power of sin. But th- th- when it comes down to it, when it all comes down to it, the one thing that is the crux, that is the center point of everything we believe comes down to this one day. And that was on the third day, he arose. He's alive. Jesus is alive today. A lot of great people have lived and died, and none of them have risen again. Now, Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, right? He had a resurrection moment, but guess what? Lazarus died again. All those people that came out of the tombs when Jesus, when Jesus died, remember that? When he, they all died again. Jesus raised uh, the, the, widow, the widow's son, died again. The, the man in the Old Testament was thrown on the bones of Elisha, guess what? Died again. Right? But there's one man, one person that lived in this life that died and rose again, conquered death. Now, it's, it's, it's so vital that this, this truth is so vital that the Old Testament, you go back to the Old Testament, it's littered at the foretelling of this event. It's not just a moment where Jesus at one point said to his disciples, you know, that you build this temple in three days, you know, break this temple down in three days, I'll rise again. And he tells it, that's not like, well, now that's something new. From the beginning of the, of the Bible, go back to Genesis 3. That's the, we call that the, the proto-evangelium. It's where we get our word evangel in English, which literally means good news. In Genesis 3.15, Back at the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. And we can't get mad at Adam and Eve for sinning, right? Because we do the same thing, right? We think, oh, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have sinned. Yeah, okay. Do that today. Don't sin today. Try it. It's hard, right? We're humans. We live in a fallen world. Thank God's full of grace, God's grace. But we go back to that and what it says at the very beginning it says, he talking to the serpent, he shall crush your head and you shall strike his heel. In other words, the serpent would strike at the heel, right? But ultimately, Jesus, in his resurrection, the seed, the offspring of Mary, would crush the serpent's head. In other words, the resurrection is the end for him, but the beginning for us. You, you can see, uh, you go to the books of Exodus uh, 12, 1 to 28 talks about the Passover. That's all about Jesus' death and resurrection. Leviticus chapters 8 and 9, uh, Job 19, 25 and 26, Zechariah 12, 10. Uh, you can go in the Psalms, Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Psalm 40, and the book of Jonah all foretell not just the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ. So the resurrection uh, the, that we're going to see is not just a, a, a one-time thing that, oh, God kind of threw it in there because something needed to happen that was spectacular. It's something that when we look through Scripture, it was foretold that Christ would rise again on the third day. Okay, I want to look at, it's so important, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 53. And you're familiar with Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of those passages that, that if you've been in church long enough, you understand that Isaiah is foretelling the, the message of the suffering servant, which is Jesus, the suffering servant. So in Isaiah chapter 53, and I want to read some of it. It says this, it says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And it's going to talk about his life. He grew up 
before him like a tender shoot and like a root of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract him. In other words, he wasn't a Hollywood star. That's going to make people say, oh, we got to go see Jesus because he's so handsome. Right? He says, it said, nothing in his appearance we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And now here comes the good part for us. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid uh, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of this generation protested? He was in verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. After he had suffered, he will see the light of light and be satisfied. You know what that is? After he has suffered and been crushed, he will once again see the light. He will rise from the dead. He will rise. So the suffering service is this picture that Isaiah has painted of Christ. The resurrection that he has painted. Here we see. It's not just a one-time thing. It's something that from the beginning the evidence for the resurrection was there, yet it wasn't fulfilled. But it was fulfilled that Easter Sunday. One of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, books uh, written uh, and a, a sermon I heard preached years ago was, uh, and you, you're all familiar with this, I think Carmen sang the song. It's, it talks about it's Friday, right? But Sunday's on the way, right? Because a lot of times in our life, it feels like it's Friday. What happened on Friday? Well, they, they did a lot of bad things. They, they brought him, they did a, a, a kangaroo court. They brought him on trial, right? They, they, they pulled his beard. They 39 stripes. The reason they didn't do 40, you know why they didn't do 40 stripes? Because they figured 40 stripe, the 40 stripe would have killed him. And it wasn't just 39 stripes. It was a cat of nine tails, which meant that every time they whipped, there was nine tails that would hit him. And they said, well, the 40 stripe, that'll kill him. We don't want to kill him. We want him alive so that we can hang him on a tree. That'll kill him. And if that doesn't kill him, we'll stick a spear in his side. We'll break his legs and all those good things, right? Wonderful, wonderful thing, right? It's like a bad movie, okay? But we see, we see all this that is, that's talking about the, the, from the Old Testament, all this, all this talking about the resurrection. So then the question we ask ourselves, and as we read the story of Jesus and we, we see his life all through the, the four Gospels, we see the life he lived, we see how the people responded to him. The religious people hated him, but the broken people loved him. The people that needed a Savior loved him, and the people that thought they knew what a Savior was hated him and despised him. So we get to this place, and now we, here we are, Easter Sunday, 2,000 and some odd years later, and, and we, we, we can ask the question, what is the importance of Christ's resurrection to those of us who believe in him? Because when we look at Scripture, right, we call it exegesis. Exegesis is when we look at Scripture, what does the Scripture say? And we correctly divine out of it 
what it, what it means. And so uh, the, the, the way we look at Scripture is this. We look at the word meant, and it's M-E-A-N-T, not meant like the meant, you know, if you're bad, breath's bad. It's meant, means. So the first thing we do, we look at Scripture, we say, what is this, what, what, what would the original hearers have understood when they, when they read the Gospels? What would they have understood when Jesus said those things, when he, when he made these odd comments, right? And then we kind of go, what is he saying that for? Why, why is he saying that? What would the original hearers have understood? And then from that, we can say, what does it mean to us? So when we read all these scriptures about the resurrection that's prophesied from the Old Testament, and then we see it lived out in the life of Christ, that, that he knew that when he came, that he, his, he was born to die, is what he knew. But he would rise again. We can then ask the question, what is the importance of Christ's resurrection to those of us who believe in him today? Donald Stamps writes this, Apart from the resurrection, Christ's followers would have no hope and their faith in God and testimony about Christ would be useless. If Jesus had just died on a cross, was buried in a tomb that it wasn't even his own, a borrowed tomb, if he had stayed dead, then there was no forgiveness of sins. We would still be sacrificing animals because his death would have only atoned for his sin, and guess what? He never sinned. So his death would be meaningless, have no impact, right? It would be useless, and the faith that we have would, would, would be to no avail, would, would have no meaning to us. But we know there's five things Scripture tells us, five things, you can write these down this morning, five things that when we ask the question, the importance of Christ's resurrection, those who believe in, there's five things that we can find. Actually, there's more, but I'm limiting it to five this morning. Is that okay? <laughs> there's a lot more. We could do sermons on sermons on this. Here's, here's the things I've got this morning. Number one. The resurrection establishes that he is the Son of God. That he is the Son of God. Now, why is that important? It's important because the, the, the importance of Jesus living a sinless life is important for us because it, it means he can die for our sin because he who knew no sin became sin, became the sin offering. Jesus, Jesus said this in John 10, verses 17 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. He's going to lay his life down, but he's going, to, he's going to rise again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. The resurrection proves that Jesus is the one and only Son of God. The Son of God, capital S, Son of God. What's the second thing? The resurrection, well, let me read this. Romans 1, 4 says this. Paul writes this. And who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God, that's capital S, by the power of his resurrection from the dead. It's through the resurrection of the dead that we know. Now, we knew because we look, we look back toward the cross. We can look back and say, yeah, he's the Son of God. We, we get that. We can see the prophecies and all those things. But imagine living at that time. Imagine living at that moment. Remember, Jesus wasn't the first one that came into Jerusalem to claim to be the Messiah. It happened all the time. And Jesus wasn't the only person named Jesus. That was a common name. It was, it, the derivative is Joshua, which means Savior, right? And Joshua, Yeshua, that is one of the most common names in, in, in the Judaism, especially at that time, right? Because Joshua, the great Joshua, that led him into the promised land. Everybody named their kid Joshua, right? And so Jesus was a common name. This wasn't the first time. So think about this. 
There are many times, they'd re- if you read through the, the, the books, you'll see that the Sanhedrin, they would meet and they'd say, well, this isn't the first time this has happened. This guy led a revolt and 40 people died. And, this, but, and so they weren't really concerned about him at first. But then things started happening that they couldn't account for, like healing people and raising the dead and continuing to do all these miraculous things. And this crowd following him kept growing and growing and growing. And it wasn't just 40 men following this guy or 20 men or 120 men here that were raising up against Rome. This was one who claimed to be the son of God. So imagine the people at the time when this is happening. When he's saying the son of man, son of God, uh, he's doing all these healing on the Sabbath, forgiving sins. Only Jesus, only God could do that. He said, well, you've said they're right. Only God can do that. On to the next thing. So understand that they, that, that to them, that was a foreign notion. God has no son. And here's the son of God saying, I only do what I see my father doing. It's, it's an important thing. And the resurrection is evidence that he's the son of God. The second thing this morning is that the, the resurrection, the result of his death for our sins uh, did provide the means of forgiveness and restored relationship with God. Again, if he has stayed dead... There's no forgiveness of our sins. We're back to sacrificing. I don't know about you, but when I get invited to go hunting, I'm meeting you at Meyer or Walmart or Kroger and, and with a shopping cart. I'm going to, now, I'm not against hunting because I, I like meat and I like to eat meat. So hunters hunt. Go, do it. I just don't want to hunt, right? And I read, the, I read how the sacrifice, so they take the lamb, they, they pull the throat, and I'm not going to go into all that. And they, I'm like, oh, man, I couldn't have been in the priesthood. I'd have been, no, you know, I'll go be a laborer out there, pressing the wine, you know, pressing the grapes. I'll walk around the grapes all day because I'm not going to, right? Is there anybody else like that? <laughs> okay, so I'm not the only one. But because of his resurrection now, we have forgiveness of sins. We know that, that, that forgiveness is available and our relationship with God is restored because of the resurrection of Christ. Romans 6, 4 says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism from the dead through the glory of the Father. We too may live a new life. 1 Corinthians 15, 70 says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still lost in your sins. So the resurrection made the forgiveness of sins have an impact in our lives. We now, because of the resurrection, can have a restored relationship with the one who created us. Number three, the resurrection verifies the truth of God's word. I, I already read a bunch of Old Testament. I gave you a bunch of Old Testament scriptures. If you didn't have a chance to write those down, you can get them afterwards. But a whole bunch of Old Testament scriptures that prophesy not, not just the coming of a Messiah, because there's plenty of those, right? Not the birth of Messiah, there's plenty of those. Uh, not, but, but one who would die on a cross and rise again. Right? And when we see those Old Testament scriptures being fulfilled in the New Testament, and then we even see some of those prophecies that are being fulfilled in our lifetime, it verifies that God's word is not just a good word, but is the truth. It is true. Right? The, the old they'll say, every, we just sing this, you ready? Every promise in the book is mine. You know that one? Every chapter, every verse, every line. I don't know the rest of the song, so I won't sing it anymore. Okay, but remember that? Every promise in the book is mine. Every promise that was made 
is for me. And that proves that God's word is true. When we know that God's, when we know that the truth is in God's word. Jesus said this in Luke 24 a little later on after he had risen. He said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That covers the Old Testament, right? The law of Moses is the first five books. The prophets is all the prophets. You know, the minor prophets, major prophets. And, and then the Psalms is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalm of Solomon, right? Lamentations. Covers them all. Jesus just covered them all. He said they ought to be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah, which I read to you before, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name of all nations. Because of the resurrection, the word of God is true. Because it fulfilled all those promises. Imagine if all those prophecies had been talked about on the third day he'll rise, that there'll be a resurrection, that God will raise him up. Out of the pits of hell, you'll raise him up. Out of the depths of Sheol, you'll raise him up. And then Jesus never rose again. Then God's word can't be true. Can't be true. But now we know, Jesus said it himself, and we can see from this side of the cross that God's word is true because those promises, those prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. And not only did he, did he, was he born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die on a cross, but he rose on the third day. And here's good news. He's coming again. Number four, because of the resurrection, it assures Jesus' followers of their future inheritance in heaven. I, 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 was, I was just saying this this morning, but I, I, this is the truth. And I, my wife and I were talking about this. I remember when I was younger, which has been a while, and, and I don't remember as much as I used to, but I remember when I was younger, my grandma, who was a preacher, a Pentecostal pastor, and she just loved Jesus, but as she got older, the, the, what she talked about the most was going to heaven. I remember when I was pastoring the church, the former the pastor that started the church, who still lived next door to the church, and we became friends, and he was, he was, uh, he was only 60, I think 63, when he passed away. But I remember the couple, he'd come over, we'd have these conversations, and he just loved Jesus. And the, la the last six months, almost every conversation we'd come in, he was nice thinking about heaven. Every conversation. Nobody knew that he was going to have a heart attack and die. But all he talked about was heaven. And, and, and I realized that as I get older, and we see the world <laughs> the way it is, and I know it was bad when we were younger, but I think more about heaven. And because of Christ's resurrection from the dead, it assured our followers that our future inheritance is in heaven. Jesus told us even on the cross today, you'll be with me. Paradise. Our future is with Jesus forever in a place called heaven. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's also a good reminder for us that are here when we see things not going well, when the world is just like, they, like they've lost their mind, right? The world is losing its mind right now. Well, it's, it's always lost its mind. But it seems like it's getting really bad right now. It's a good reminder that this is not our home. This, everything that happens is temporary. The, the, the old saying, this too shall pass. Of course, they were talking about a kidney stone at the time, but... It, we're talking about other things in life. This too, whatever situation you're in, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. 
And it's on to the next thing. And the good, so that all these things that happen in our life should be a reminder to us that this life, this place, although it's wonderful and beautiful and lovely, and I love almost everything about this world because it was created by our God, it's a gentle reminder that this is not my home. We do not belong here. We are aliens and strangers living in this land. And what God has prepared for us is a place. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again and receive it to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The place he's preparing for us because of his death and resurrection is a place with him for eternity. And that's a place called heaven. So let that be a reminder to us that this world is not our home. Peter says this way in 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now that's a dual meaning. First of all, the, the thing that he has kept for us the inheritance is salvation. So it's for here and now. That inheritance, and it can never spoil or fade or perish. That salvation can never. But it's a dual meaning. It also means in heaven. It's kept for us. There's a place for us. Our names are written, in the book of Revelation says, our names are written in what? The Lamb's book of life. Because that's where we're going to spend eternity with Him. Because of the resurrection of Christ. And the fifth thing this morning. It makes Christ's presence and power over sin available in our everyday lives. Because Christ arose from the dead, we now have his presence in our life because he sent the Holy Spirit, right? And that the Holy Spirit now, instead of only resting in the Old Testament, resting on prophets, kings, and priests, and certain other people, when, it, when God needed the ability, like when they were building the, the Ark of the Covenant that Indiana Jones found, remember when he found that back in 1935 or something? Um, uh, the Ark, when they were building that, they said the Holy Spirit rested on them to do the work of the Lord. But now, because of Christ's resurrection, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, lives in us, so Christ's presence is always with us, and because of that, there is power for us to live our everyday life to overcome sin, to overcome obstacles, to, to move on to do the things God's called us to do, to heal, to bind up the wounds, to, to heal the hurt, not just in other people's lives, but our own. The power to live and overcome and to be who God has made us to be is because of the resurrection, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I say that about every verse, don't I? One of my favorite verses in the Bible for right now is Galatians 2.20. Anybody know it off the top of their head? For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Because, pause for a second, time out. If you're crucified, what happens? Everybody in the history of the world that was crucified died. So when, the, when, when Paul here says to the writer of Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Because being crucified means you're dead. But, I love this part, 
but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. So Paul had it right, right? What happens before Christ's death and resurrection? We were dead in our sins, right? Sins overwhelms us. I mean, we still struggle with sin, don't we? As Christians, we struggle with it. If if we're honest, we struggle with it. But because of what Christ has done, we are no longer struggling alone. Our sins have been forgiven. And now God, the power of God living in our lives, the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we can overcome sin. Not on our own, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I have been crucified with Christ. Yet I live. But not I, but Christ who lives in me. See, that's the reason that we can, that's the reason we're alive, is because Jesus rose from the dead, and this dead person that I was has been made alive because of him. Because of his resurrection, I've been made alive. Christ's resurrection is the crux, is the centerpiece, the focus of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. Timothy Keller writes this, he says, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. See, everything that he taught centers upon his resurrection from the dead. Dying on the cross The focus of that was his resurrection. Because with God, it's always the good news. Listen, uh, the the cartoon that that BC does, they they put out, remember BC always had the Christian things, and it said said that he hates that they call it Good Friday. They said, well, if somebody died for you and took your place on a cross, what would you say? It's good or bad? Good. That's why it's called Good Friday. But it wasn't real Good Friday for one person. That was Jesus. And all the followers that were with him, it wasn't a good day for them. But it was good for us. But even then, that that Good Friday would not have meant anything if it wasn't for Sunday's on the way. It's Friday, right? It's dark. Darkness covers the earth, right? Sunday's on the way. The resurrection's coming because, because of that. So, saying all that this morning... What's the practical application for our lives, right? The the, the biblical evidence of the the prophecies about the resurrection and then the biblical evidences of what what, what it means, the resurrection means for those of us living. So practically, how can we put these into our lives? How can we put this, this power, this resurrection, how can we have this work in our lives, everyday life. Because the important thing, as we, a lot of people, we, we, we jokingly call them Christers or, or two-timers, people that come to church Easter and Christmas, although they don't really exist that much anymore, all the surveys tell us that people don't go to church anymore on Easter and Christmas like they used to. Right? People don't go to church on other Sundays either like they used to. So, so what, do we, what do we see when we, when we have this? Is How can we connect the resurrection on the first day of the week, how can we connect that to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and every day of our lives? Because if, as believers, we believe that the resurrection is the crux 
of the gospel. It's the proof of that, that Christ was the Son of God. It's the proof that everything he did had meaning. Then how do we connect that to our everyday life? Because that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to live every day that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And because he is alive, we are alive. How do we connect that? Three things. Understand this. The same spirit is in you. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Now, there are some things I read in the Bible that crack me up, right? Like, like one of the things that cracks me up was when James says that Elijah was a man just like you. And I sort of laugh. I go, no, Elijah wasn't. He called fire from heaven, right? He said, oh, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. It did rain. And then all of a sudden he said, well, okay, it's going to rain. And then it started raining. I mean, last week when, you know, we had eight tornadoes come through Louisville, I was praying, we're not going to be tornadoes. And there's eight tornadoes. So, no, I'm not like Elijah, right? Okay, so there are some things that, that you read the Bible and it cracks you up, right? And this is one of them. It says, it says, if the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Listen to that. Listen to that. The same spirit that had the power to raise a man from death to life after he had been dead for two days is living in you. I don't know about you, that cracks me up. I was like, what? The, the, whole, the same spirit that said, right, is living in me? That's what he says here? That's what Paul says to Romans? It's not like that, but he's going to give life to your mortal bodies. As I get older, that has more meaning. The power, because of the resurrection, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Second thing, practical application. Because of the resurrection, we have power. Second thing is this. We have a purpose in this world. We have a purpose in this world. You know, a lot of us have, we're all broken people for, in different reasons, different ways, right? I, I come from a broken home, right? My, I have generations of preachers in my family, yet I come from a broken home, very dysfunctional. And, and it weighs on me. To this day, it weighs on me. And I, I battle through it, and I fight through it, and I overcome because of what God has done in my life, right? Because of what he's done and what he's done through me. But we have purpose in this world. No matter how broken and torn we might be, no matter how shattered our life may be right now or may have been, we are created for purpose. 2 Corinthians 5, you can read the whole, the whole thing there, 5, 17 on. And I just picked this one here for time's sake. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You have a purpose. Because of the resurrection of Christ, you have purpose in this life. And you know what your purpose is? You're Christ's ambassadors. That means everywhere you go, you represent Jesus Christ. And you represent the risen Jesus Christ. The one who gives grace and mercy and forgives sins and heals and sets the captive free. That's us. We represent him as though 
we are speaking the very words of God. In other words, and the power in our tongue can bring healing to people and give life to people because we have purpose. We have purpose in our life because Christ rose from the dead. And the third thing this morning is this. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we have power, purpose, possibilities. Possibilities. The possibilities of what we can do for Christ because he rose from the dead are endless. They're endless. Think of all the greatest inventions in the world. Do you know why we have hospitals? Because believers felt it was important to heal because that's what God called us to do. Think of all these great things. The possibilities for our lives, even if we're, because well, I'm too broken. You're not too broken. You're being healed. And as a result of that, the possibilities are endless. I'll share this. My sister, my older sister, <clears throat> she got married. And wonderful. She traveled and sang. She recorded albums. She sang behind the Iron Curtain when it was still the Iron Curtain. They smuggled Bibles into Poland and other places and their speakers and kind of lived like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, she gets arrested in Poland and, you know, Russia, and she goes to jail. Never see her again, right? And she still, to this day, still sings and, and records and travels and does that. Um, but they couldn't have kids. Infertile. Broke her heart. Not to have kids. My brother's got two. You know, we, we made up for everybody had four. My little sister has two. No kids. And as they grew older, no kids. And so they began to think about fostering kids, adopting and they began to foster kids and special needs kids and children with, that were born with, you know, uh, uh, have to have heart surgery. And, and they began to take care of them. And, and God began to do a work in her life. And, and then they, they had the opportunity to adopt two, uh, uh, two, two, two daughters, which they have now. They're 16 and, I think 16 and 13 or 12, 12 and 16. And they have raised them from birth. And now my sister works with the foster care agency in, in the, the, the counties around, and she goes and speaks places, and she's an advocate for these people. And it all was birthed out of what seemed like brokenness in her life of not ever being able to have a baby, which what she wanted. And yet from that seeming tragedy, God has provided miracles. And they've seen miracles of people that never thought they could foster children never thought they would adopt, that answered the call and took these children into their homes and gave them hope for a future. See, the possibilities with God are endless because Jesus rose from the dead. The things that we can do to help this world be a better place, which is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be transformed and our transformation begins to go out and spill out into the city and into the highways and byways and to tr transform what we, where we live for Jesus Christ. And then it's all because he rose from the dead, because he rose again. There's power, purpose, and possibility for our lives this morning. Would you stand this morning? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna pray.
And I want you, I want you, if you want to just close your eyes for a second, because the, on Resurrection Sunday is the most glorious day in the history of the world. Every time we write down today's date, today, April 17th, 2022. Every time we write down a date, we are signifying the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection changed the, even how we date things. A.D. and B.C. Before Christ and, and the year of our Lord. A.D. And I want us to, to be uplifted in our lives. Whatever situation, whatever you're in right now, whatever you're going through right now, remember this. Jesus is alive. And because He's alive, that means you, He has not abandoned you. He has not left you for dead. He is not unconcerned for you because he is alive he is in the midst of what's going on he is in the center of what's happening in your life because that's who he is and that's how much he cares Lord this morning I thank you first of all thank you for dying for my sins and taking a horrible death on the cross but Lord thank you for raising up on the third day. Thank you for rising again and giving us the, the hope for a future, giving us the, the power to live this life, to, to understand that everything that happens in our life is because you are alive. And I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to realize that everything that we do is for you. Because we no longer live but you live in us. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Lord, let us live every day, every time we wake up in the morning and open our eyes and say, today Jesus is alive and he's going to live through me and in me. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Your word is true, Lord God. here this morning just you need you need prayer if you just raise your hand I just just want to pray before we dismiss this morning if you need prayer Lord Lord I thank you you know what's in our heart you you know what's going on I pray right now in Jesus name that you would give us peace Lord if it's something at home at work whatever's going on you're alive and you're actively involved in our lives And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would show us that. You would show us that every day, that you are alive and let us live in the light of your love. And remind us, Lord God, that what we've done here and what we've done today is not service. We've just gathered to worship your name, to hear from you. But when we leave this place, service begins. So, Lord... Let our feet walk where you want us to walk. Let our hands touch what you need us to touch. Let our eyes see what you want us to see. Let our minds think on the things that you want us to think on. Let us say the very words of God in every day of our life. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name.